you stand to your feet for the reading of God's Word. I love testimony time. Sometimes it sets you right up for preaching. just want to ask you a simple question, not in the title of the message. Are you? Are you? Let's read uh, Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 13 through 16. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. just want to ask that question tonight. Are you salt? Are you light? And I pray that God would speak to us from his word here this evening. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for this day that you've given us. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. I thank you, Lord, for the testimonies of your people. God, your word says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And I thank you, Lord, for the sweet spirit that you give us a lot of times, God, when folks begin to testify and just brag on you and your goodness in their lives. We thank you, Lord, for being such a great God to us, that you love us, that you've extended grace and mercy to us. God, we're unworthy of every gift that you give us, but, Lord, you continue to give and bless, and we thank you, Lord, for all that you uh, do for us. We ask you just to bless us tonight in the service. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. I pray that you would uh, help this passage of Scripture to be a blessing to those that are here this evening. I pray that you would use me, Lord, uh, tonight. I pray that you'd speak through me. God, would you remember, uh, bring to remembrance every thought and every Scripture, every illustration that I need to share here this evening. And I pray that you would stir us and draw us closer to you. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to preach. And I pray that you would just meet with us tonight. We'll praise you and thank you, Lord, for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. It's an interesting thing that... Jesus would look at his disciples and he would say, you are the salt of the earth. It's just a good reminder right here that there are passages of scripture that we need to take literally and then there are passages of scripture that we need to take figuratively. And uh, thankfully these are figuratively speaking that we need to be salt and we need to be light. But he looks at his disciples and he says, ye are the salt of the earth. You are. It's a personal thing. I believe a lot of times we convince ourselves in our minds that if the pastor has salt, then we're good. Or if the deacons have salt, then we're good. As long as the Sunday school teachers are scattering salt, then we're okay. But Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. If you don't think that we need salt in our society, then I ask you just to rewind the news for a few days and look at some of the comments that have been shared about the abortion ruling that the Supreme Court handed down just the other day. And you'll be quickly reminded of how much of our society is in decay. It's such an evil influence on our society. We were sitting at the house on Sunday and Keela played a little video clip of a lady in a demon scream. My body, my choice. My body, my choice. It's just a reminder of where all of that comes from. It's an evil influence on our society that has poisoned the minds of so many individuals... You know what's needed in our day? It's for a body of believers to be the salt that we need to be. He looked at the disciples and he said, Ye are the salt of the earth. It's a personal thing. In Mark chapter 9 verse 50, he said, Have salt in yourselves. It's not something just that's a job for someone else. I need to be salt. And you need to be salt. And I want us to see several things about this salt here tonight. But boy, our society needs it. Keel and I watched a documentary just the other day that asked a simple question, what is a woman? 
Our society is in such decay that we don't even know what we are anymore. We've denied the fact that there is a God that gives us breath and gives us life and that we have been ordained from Him to be a male or a female, but we live in a society that just because you identify as something else, that you can be whatever you want to be. And we saw at the end of that documentary the influence of evil in our society. And it all stems from Satan, poisoning the minds of people around us. But we need to have the salt in ourselves, and it needs to be a personal thing that I have salt in my life. Things that we used to take for granted that were common sense and commonplace are no longer common sense and commonplace. The definition of marriage and the sanctity of life. And you can go on and on and on in all the different definitions. But the first thing I want us to see about salt is it's a preservative. If you want to prevent meat from decaying, you can add some salt to it like salt cured hand. That salt prevents decay. Do you realize tonight that you've been divinely ordained and placed in the job that you're at right now so that you could be the salt to help preserve the lives of those that are around you? See, salt does no good as long as we keep it collected and we keep it in a salt shaker. We can brag about it and say, I just thank the Lord for the salt that He's given me and we can put it up on a shelf and we can make salt trophies. It doesn't do any good if it stays in the container. God's put us in different places so that we could be a preservative and we could be an influence for good, that we could share life with those that are around us because decay is happening all around us. You may say, well, I hate, I hate my job. I, I understand that. I think there's probably days for everybody that's in here that if, you, if you've ever worked a job, you've had those days where you're like, it's Monday every day of the week and I hate my job. You may hate what you do, you may hate who you work with, but I want to adjust your focus here tonight so that you realize that God has divinely placed you there and put you so that you could be a salt in that place, that you could be a preservative to prevent decay from those around you. It preserves. We ought to be a living, breathing example of what a Christian should be to those that are around us. They may not darken the door of a church just yet, but they're going to watch you. And if you proclaim to be a Christian, they're going to listen to the way that you talk. And they're going to listen to the jokes that you tell. And they're going to look at the things that you look at on your phone and on your computer. They're going to listen to the music that you listen to. And they're going to see the way that you talk to your wife or you talk to your kids. And what we've got to be is a living, breathing example of somebody that preserves life and prevents decay. Because God wants us to be the salt of the earth. It's a preservative. Next, I want you to realize tonight that Salt has a placement. Now, I don't think any of us take our meat that we've butchered and make a journey all the way to the salt mine, and they've got a little hut set up, and we're like, hey, I need to get my meat salted. Just thought I'd go ahead and come over here to the mine, and they go ahead and give you a little bit, and then you travel all the way back home. You don't take your plate of green beans and throw them in the trash. I mean, that's what I would do with green beans, but you don't take your plate of green beans, and you don't take them all the way to the salt manufacturer and you don't take them over there and say, hey, I need a little salt for these green beans. Hopefully they'll make them taste better. I don't know that I'm not convinced that that'll even happen. Uh, full disclosure, I was force-fed green beans as a child and I'm still recovering from it. Um, but you don't take your plate of green beans to the mine and ask them for salt, right? What do you do? You take the salt and you put it in a place where you know that you're going to need it. You, you place that salt on your table because you know that it, at a mealtime, you're going to need access to that salt and it's placed for a purpose. We've got to remember that we need to put ourselves in a place where we can be the salt that we need to be. It's placement. 
You ever think about how God has divinely placed you exactly where you're at? You may think it's a crazy day to live in. Yes, it is. But God in His foreknowledge looked down through the eons of time and He saw you and He saw me and He saw the wicked day that we would live in and He would say, you know what, that's a little bit of salt that I need to place in 2022 in Asheville, North Carolina that we could be what we need to be for Him. It's a place thing. And He puts us there to be a seasoning to those that are around us. Christianity doesn't make problems disappear, but it gives perspective and it helps us swallow the hard circumstances of life. Christianity doesn't take death away, but the hope of heaven adds that salt, it adds that seasoning so that we can bear the problems of life. Christianity doesn't take away joblessness, but it gives us a hope that He'll provide all of our needs according to His riches and glory, and it gives us hope to get through that day. Christianity doesn't take away cancer, but the hope of heaven and no more sickness and no more pain gives us enough hope to get through that day. And God scatters that salt and helps us and puts us in places where people are going through tough times so that we can point to Him. And He puts us there and He's placed us there. Sometimes it's hard for us to accept everybody around us. But when we consider 2 Corinthians 5.17 that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, it helps us love the unlovable, realizing that if they would put their faith and trust in Christ, that he would birth them into a new creature. He's put us there. So not only is salt a preservative, we consider its placement. Not only that, I want us to see tonight, it's power. Look at what it says here in these verses in Matthew chapter 5. It says this, the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. Also, in Mark 9, 50, it says, Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltness, wherewith will you season it? I looked up that word, lose savor. The first definition that popped up, it, it literally means to be foolish. I thought that's interesting that we're talking about salt... And it says a salt that's lost its power and you connect that to being foolish. The second definition that was given was to lose its strength or its flavor. You know the reason that Christianity is struggling in America in 2022 is because a lot of us Christians have named ourselves as Christians, but we've involved ourselves in foolishness and we've lost the power of God in our lives and our life is really a joke. I consider Lot as he went into Sodom and the angels told him, said, whoever you got here, you need to bring them with you. And you remember, if you've read your Bible in the book of Genesis, it says that he went and he tried to get his sons-in-laws to come and they mocked him and they laughed at him. Why was that? Well, Lot had no saltness. He had no power in his life. So his testimony was a joke. And when it came time for the rubber to meet the road, he would look at his own family and they'd say, you're a joke, Lot. What? Yeah, Fire and brimstone's coming. We're going to destroy this place. That's funny, Lot. What we've got to realize is that the power of God resting on our lives is the most important thing about us. The Bible says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. You know what's special about that earthen vessel? Nothing. It's all about what's on the inside. And if we want to survive and thrive as a church, then we need to pray for the power of God to continue to rest on this place. We need to pray for our Sunday school teachers to teach with the power of God. We need to pray for our choir to sing with the power of God. For us, that we would preach, that when we preach, it would be with the power of God. Because if we have lost our saltness, what are we good for? The Bible says we're good for nothing. If we involve ourselves in foolishness, 
which every day we have the young married couples over at our house the other night. It was a blessing to have them there. And I tried to remind them that every day that you are trying to build a godly marriage, there is a devil that is trying to dismantle every brick that you are trying to build up. And what we have to realize is that we have an adversary that is continually seeking to introduce foolishness into our lives, that we would waste our time, that we would not be the salt that we need to be, and that we would go through our days without a care in the world and never thinking of eternal things. He said if we've lost our power, we are good for nothing. You ever ask yourself, am I, am I good for anything? Would you ask yourself that, that question tonight? Is the power of God resting on your life? Or have you followed the bait that Satan has thrown in front of you and involved yourself in foolishness? It's so easy to do. It's, it's been mentioned from this pulpit a lot that you could sit here in this service tonight and you could pull your phone out and without ever leaving the pew of Pleasant Hill Baptist Church, you could involve yourself in foolishness without ever leaving the building or your pew. You can sit on your couch, you can sit in the recliner, you can lay in your bed and you can get involved in foolishness and never leave the presence of your home. Used to, you had to go out somewhere to sin. Now sin's brought into your front door. It's through the cable on your, in your TV and it's brought into your home and it's welcomed in and there's foolishness all around. I told my Sunday school class Sunday that if you do not actively try to walk with the Lord and cut all things, stuff pops up just all the time. I'm legitimately looking for things to study. Maybe sometimes I might be watching a video on Facebook, a preaching video, and the next video is vile. And if you do not actively try to cut those things off, we're surrendering our power with every sin that we partake in our lives. What we've got to be is cleansed. Because this salt, when it becomes weak, is good for nothing. It's to be cast out. They would throw it in the road and they would walk on it. I want to ask you tonight, do you have the power of God? Resting in your life. Because it's the most important thing about us. Foolishness seeks to have one foot in the world and one with God. Foolishness is more concerned about what others think instead of being the real deal. Foolishness is focused on perception. Saltiness is focused on substance. Foolishness focuses on what's popular. Saltiness on the true thing. Foolishness has its time burned up. and Saltiness is focused on stopping decay. Foolishness worries about who's included. Saltiness focuses on separation. See, salt's a remedy for unsavory meat, but there is no remedy for unsavory salt. We've got to cast it out. So I don't know about you, but we better guard ourselves with the salt that we have in our lives. Because as soon as we lose the separation that we have, we're surrendering the power that we have in our lives. The children of Israel would have done great as long as they kept separated from the tribes that were in those lands. But as soon as they began to intermingle with those people, they surrendered their power with God and they began to go into bondage. See, it's an a, a awful picture that the devil paints for us that freedom is really out there and then when we go partake of freedom, we're really bound up. And it's the opposite of what he paints in front of us. I pray that we have the power of God resting in our lives. I want to do something tonight. I don't know if you've ever seen this done. You've got to understand who I am. I know that sometimes at church I seem real serious. If you could ask my wife, I'm really not that serious most of the time. And uh, I have a mind of like a five-year-old that I shroud in a 37-year-old person sometimes. But I want to interview Salt tonight. I don't know if you've ever seen an interview. You've probably never seen it on CNN. 
probably never been on Fox News, Newsmax, any of those uh, special news outlets. Um, I don't think I've ever seen it on WLOS. But I want us to listen to salt. Ready? Here we go. Okay, wait, wait. Okay, hold on. Imagine we've got a nice burger down here, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to make this meat a lot better. Sorry, Tabitha, wherever you're at. All right. Now, listen. Listen to this salt. You ready? Did y'all hear it? I didn't hear anything. You know why? Salt is silent, and it's working. You may think, well, I've got to go into work, and I've got to turn that building upside down, and I've got to go with my black bag King James Bible and run through the halls and shout and proclaim. You might. Or you might just need to go in there every chance you get. And just every time you get a little opportunity, that was the, that was the side that was really going to make a mess. Every time you get an opportunity, you might just need to go and just might need to just share a little bit. Do you know that salt is silent and it's working? If you're mixing a pot of green beans, my wife does that, I don't eat them. She may walk by and she may, she may just scatter a little bit of salt in there. And that salt does its job. It draws no attention to itself. It doesn't say anything. It doesn't gripe and complain about the places that it's going. It doesn't complain about the final product. As a matter of fact, that salt at the end of the day is not focused on itself. It's just there to expend itself for the benefit of whatever it's going into. And if we could get to a place as Christians that we realize that it's not about me, it's not about where I want to go, it's not about what I want to do, but that we would be in the hand of a Heavenly Father that just shakes us where He wants us to go, and we would realize it's not about me, it's not about my pleasure, it's not about my life, it's about Him using my life to expend it on someone else for their benefit. Because the breath that I have in my lungs, God gave it to me. And the voice that I have in my throat, God gave it to me. And the life and the money that He has given me has come from Him. And He wants me to be the salt. And just everywhere that I go, expend myself for His glory. Because it's silent and it's working. I've never heard salt say anything before. Doubt I ever will hear salt say anything. It's silent and it's working. Not only that, I want us to realize tonight. You know when that salt is dispensed? I've never seen salt in anything else besides a grinder or salt container. The only way that this salt is going to get out, the only way, it's going to have to come out the bottom. I'm going to have to invert this jar, and I'm going to have to turn it on its head, and I'm going to have to shake it. You guys got it? If we would humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, we would be exalted in due time. The reason that we lack power sometimes is that we never allow the Holy Spirit just to shake us up so that we can dispense the salt that He's put inside of us. You know why we don't have to take the bus and four or five vans and five or ten personal cars on visitation? It's because we've not got to the point where we're getting shook up and we say, God, the salt that you've given me I don't have a choice. I've, I've got to go do it. When that, when that desire becomes a burden, things will happen. You know why we don't have a waiting list for Sunday school teachers? And I'm not just trying to jump on you tonight, but the reason that we don't have a waiting list and that we have to turn away Sunday school teachers is that we've never got to the point where the, the value of lost souls and the estate of eternity in the people's hearts has never got to the point where we get shook up with it. The reason that this choir 
sings to an empty congregation because everybody's come up here to the choir is because we've not got to the point where singing in the choir shakes us up. The reason that Miss Amanda doesn't have 35 or 45 or 55 people on a waiting list for nursery is because we've not got to the point where it shakes us up. The reason that we don't have a waiting list for Awanas next door on Sunday nights is because we've not got to the place where the hearts of children bothers us so much that we've got to the place where it shakes us up. Because the only way that we are going to dispense the salt that God has given us is for us to get shook up and it bother us to the point where we get a burden for it and we say, I don't care what everybody else is doing, I have to do that. I've got to. The only way that this salt is going to be dispensed is it has to be shaken. What's it going to take to shake you? I know that we get so busy in life and we get complacent in the Christianity that we live in America. And we get busy with all kinds of things. Maybe not even sinful things. And we get complacent. And if we don't watch it, we will pull away from the world that we're living in. We'll turn a blind eye to the decay that we see all around us. We'll just continue to pull away. But every once in a while, every once in a while, something will come along and it'll shake us up and it'll turn us on our head And that's when we get the burden to do something for the Lord. You know what our prayer should be tonight? Every one of us, because I know I'm in the same boat with you. As God open my mind and open my heart and give me eyes to see and shake me up until it does something inside of me where I have to do something for you. Because he said that we are the salt of the earth. So I want to ask you tonight, are you you salty? Are you realizing where God's placed you? Is there a job that God's put in your heart that you know that you need to do? It's time to shake it up and it's time to let it go. Not only that, I want us to see the next few verses. He talks about salt and then he talks about light. He says, you are the light of the world. Well, that's a scary thing, isn't it? Out of all the things that God could have chosen to be the light of the world... He could have given us a front row seat and said, hey, angels, you're the light of the world. I'm going to let these humans sit on the sideline and watch you be the light. But no, he said that you as sinful beings, when I get done working in your heart, I'm going to use you and manifest my glory in you and you will be the light of the world. He said, you are the light of the world. And then he likens it to two different things, a city and a candle. The first thing I want you to see about this light, I want you to see its prominence. It's a city that's not in a valley, it's not hidden, it's not in a corner somewhere, but it's on a hilltop where everybody can see it. I remember back in 2005, my family had the opportunity to go to Costa Rica on a missions trip, and one of the things that we got to enjoy while we were down there is we went to a restaurant on the top of a mountain in San Jose, Costa Rica. And as the sun began to set, we began to look across this valley where hundreds of thousands of individuals lived, and the sight of all of those lights burning at night and us sitting on that terrace was unbelievable. It was awesome. I wish I could have found a picture to throw up on the screen this evening. But the view of that city was unbelievable. If you have a city that's on a hill, its prominence is that everyone is going to see it. And then he set a candle. He said, you don't light a candle to put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. You see its prominence. It's not, it's not put down low, but it's elevated so that everyone can benefit from it. Did you catch that phrase? And it giveth light unto all 
that are in the house. Our pastor's been preaching through the book of James just recently, maybe last Wednesday or maybe Sunday. I can't remember which service it was. He reminded us not to be partial, right? If there comes in a a man in gay apparel and and goodly clothing and nice raiment and a nice ring, and you say, hey, sit over here. If there comes in a man with vile raiment, you say, no, 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 sit back there. Are you not impartial in yourselves and you sin? See, the light that we are to give is, what does it say? He giveth light unto all. All that are in the house. What we've got to realize is that we need to let our light shine not for the rich, not for the successful, not for folks that we're comfortable around, but everybody. And God's placed us in places to be salt and to be light so that we can elevate our light and lift Him up. And we're going to get to that here in just a moment. But we're to give it to everybody. This partiality that we may have in our minds is I'll share the gospel with these people that make us comfortable and makes me okay, but I'm not, I can't go over there. I remember one of my Bible college teachers saying that you'll never meet a man for whom Christ did not die. So as we go down here and we're on visitation next to Beaver Lake, those people need to hear the gospel. And whatever housing development is up next or trailer park is up next or low-income housing is up next, they need the same gospel. And whether they're black or white or Mexican or Russian or gay or straight or whatever they identify themselves at, they need the gospel. And if we're going to do our jobs and be impartial with ourselves and be impartial with the gospel, then we have to be salt wherever God places us and we have to let our light shine to everybody because partiality has no place in Christianity. Zero. You don't have a leg to stand on because we are no better than anybody around us. I want us to see that this light is visible. This light's visible. You know what our problem is a lot of times? Is that we're camouflaged Christians. And we just try to fly under the radar. We don't want to rock the boat too much. We don't want to get in trouble with nobody. We don't want to be too aggressive in our stance. We just want a comfortable Christian life. We've got our get out of hell free card. And I don't want to do anything for the Lord. And I'm just going to sail through life and just live this comfortable, you know, middle class life in America. And everything's going to be okay. What God's called us to do is to have a light that is visible. It's visible. As we have our candlelight service, I love it because we hold our candles down here. And then there comes that point where we all lift them up. And if you've ever watched the light of this sanctuary go from a little bit of light to a great big light, just based off its placement. And what we need to realize today is that I'm not pleasing the person that I'm working for. I need to look way beyond that person. And I need to look straight into the glories of heaven and say, God, are you pleased with the life that I live? Because I want to be a visible, living, breathing example of your love and your grace and your mercy in this life that I'm living. He's called us to have a light that is visible. And I pray that we wouldn't try to hide it. That may make me uncomfortable. It's okay. (laughs) I think he was uncomfortable on the cross when they were nailing the nails in his hand. I think he was uncomfortable when they were whipping him with a cat of nine tails. I think a little bit of discomfort on our part kind of pales in comparison to what he went through for us. It It may get me in a little bit of trouble. Listen. This light, we're going to interview this light right here as well. This light that we have, you know what it does? Shh, listen, listen. It's, it's silent too. 
Hey, there's a time that we need to boldly proclaim the love of Jesus Christ. But Lot doesn't say anything. You hear it? Listen. See, this salt and this Lot, they're just doing their jobs. And they're not doing their jobs so that you can see them. Right? Nobody lights a candle to look just at the candle. Right? The candle is there to give its light so that everybody else can benefit from it. Is your light visible today? I think the reason that we're in the shape that we're in as a country is that for far too long we've had Christians that don't have a visible light. And we've raised a generation of people that no longer identify as Christian. Pray that we have a light that others can see. Consider its product. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify you. Is that what it says? No. Glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now this is a strict separator here of why we do what we're doing. Because if we do what we're doing to receive the praise of men, then we're not living this verse out because this verse says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and not look at you, but look at the God that you're serving. you have any good works to look at tonight? I pray that our heart's desire is, God, help me to be salt. You've placed me there as a preservative. God, I need to be shook up so that I can be dispensed to everywhere around me. God, help me to be dispensed in the right portion, in the right way, because we don't put five pounds of salt in a bucket of green beans, right? You'd be like, this this ain't even fit to eat. If we don't watch it with people, we'll push and we'll push and we'll push and we'll push too much. What we need to have is the wisdom within ourselves is that God would tell us, all right, son, it's time. We scatter a little bit in there and it's just the right amount that creates thirst in that person that says, you know what, I want what they have. But see, we've also got to be sharing the gospel and shining the light that God's given us. And we've got to have these good works. And our prayers should be, God, help me to have the purest good works that at the end of the day, whether anybody knows about it or not, I'm doing it not for me, but to glorify you. And I pray that others see that in me. You say, well, I mean, do we have to have works? Well, James, he's pretty strong on this. James chapter 2, I'm going to read a few verses here. It's kind of a lengthy passage, but I think it applies. James 2, 14 to 26. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say that he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? Yes, absolutely. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be you warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, is, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which saying, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. 
Faith alone saves, but a faith that saves is never alone. Did you catch that? Yes, faith will save us, but it should stir something up inside of us that is visible for everyone else to see. I can't see what's in your heart, and you can't see what's in my heart. You can only see what the faith in my heart produces. And I pray that as we read this verse, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven, that we would realize we've got to do it for Him. We've got to let these works shine to Him. Do you have any good works this evening? You've got anything in your heart that would point others to Christ? I pray that tonight maybe God stirs a desire in you, Lord. Help me to have something that others see that doesn't glorify me, but it glorifies you. I want to point out one last thing tonight and then I'll be done. He mentioned this city and then he mentioned this candle and how this candle needs to shine its light. The candle gives good light, but you know what the problem is? It's got a lifespan. If you've ever been without power during a snowstorm, You better have more than one candle because one candle is more than likely going to burn out. That candle's got a lifespan. And it's only going to be able to shine its light for so long. You know what we need to realize tonight? Is if we're going to shine our light, better do it now. Better do it now. I'm not guaranteed tomorrow, so whatever time God gives me tonight, and I heard word that we were supposed to go to Jeremiah's ice cream tonight. If you haven't been there, you need to go. The Lord's in that place. But I need to shine my light over there. And if I make it home this evening, then I need to shine the light to my kids and to my wife. And if I wake up tomorrow and God puts breath in my lungs, then I need to lift my light up and burn it for Him so that others may see the good works that I have in my life and they may glorify the Father which is in heaven. Because whatever difference we're going to make, we better do it now. Because time's short. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. So I want to ask you tonight, are you you salt? Are you light? Are you letting God shine through your life? Are you using the place that God's placed you in for His glory? Are you being a silent witness that other people can see and they can feel the effects because of your influence in that place? Have you shared the gospel with anybody lately? I'd like for everybody to stand to their feet. We're going to end the service this way, and then I'll turn it over to you, Pastor Keith. I think we ought to end the service with a song. You ready? I want you all to sing it with me. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Won't let Satan it out. 
I'm gonna let it shine. Won't let Satan it out. I'm gonna let it shine. Won't let Satan it out. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Shine it till Jesus comes. I'm gonna let it shine. I 